0: Hi, I'm Susan Moore, Community Engagement Manager with IIBA.
1: And I'm Scott Bennett, Manager of Business Analysis with the International Institute of Business Analysis.
0: And this is Business Analysis Live.
1: We've got a pre-recorded session. Uh, Susan, you're going to be away on travel when we're, we're going to broadcast this one, but we will be commenting so we can participate that way. Susan, tell us about your travels.
0: Well, I'm uh, I'm headed to Europe, but most importantly, I am going to be joining our IIBA Poland chapter on Friday, October 20th for their first ever summit. So wow. I'm, I'm really excited. I know they're really excited as well. So I'm glad that I can join them in person in Warsaw.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Sounds really good. Yeah. So the technique we're going to talk about today is a business analysis technique. We wanted to cover something off that you might not have encountered yet. It's something called a business model canvas. Um, so we'll explain to you what that is. But first of all, let's introduce our guest that's going to help us through this journey today. Please welcome Connor. Hello, Connor. Hey, Scott. Hi, hey,
2: Susan. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey Connor, you know, sometimes you just need an MBA graduate to help explain some some business things. So I'm glad that we know one personally that we could have as a guest.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm extremely excited to be here. Say so I've just finished my MBA in the uh in the in the winter, um, and very excited to uh to take my learnings and hopefully shed some light on the, the business model canvas with you two today.
0: Yeah, that's very Before- cool. And you know, Oh, you're probably going to say what I'm thinking. Go ahead, ahead. Scott.
1: (laughs) I was going to say for our regular viewers, you might recognize Connor's name in the comments. Uh, Connor's on our marketing team. Um, Connor provides support for us and provides all those links um, as we're going through the chat. So Connor, thank you for sharing your expertise today as we walk through this. And and we'll really bring this topic to life, I think, with your help.
2: Yeah, of course. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a a great conversation and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So as I mentioned, this might be a a technique that you have not used before. I've only used it once in my whole career. Um, A business model canvas is a way to look at an organization and look at it with a fresh set of eyes. So rather than thinking about, oh, I know who our customers are. I know what our costs are. It's really taking a step back and looking at the overall organization to understand where there might be some opportunities or challenges. Uh, So we're going to walk you through it today. Um, Susan and I both were paper-based people we both have our BABOK guides with us Uh, it is a technique in the BABOK guide Um, and Connor uh, is using the electronic version um, in our knowledge hub so as a member of IIBA you've got all of this electronically and searchable Um, so let's walk through the business model canvas and let's start off at the very start what would you use this for what are your thoughts on that Connor
2: um, for me, it's basically just a great tool to use if you want to gain a better understanding of the business that you maybe are involved in or have an interest in. I mean, it it, it really sheds light to to things that and practices that a business may take part in that you never even really considered before. Um, there's more to a business than just selling a product and and uh, getting that revenue directly. There's so many different more so many more aspects to running a business than than that. So. Being able to um, take a look at a little, slightly deeper dive into the business to really get a a really solid understanding of um, of how it really functions and and what makes a, a business maybe face more challenges or um, really makes it uh, flourish and succeed and um, w- what makes it the business that we we know to be so special today like you know our big Apple companies and stuff like that so so mm-hmm. many different aspects that we can look through to find why these things happen for for any business
1: and and i love that that you were able to join us on this connor and and share your recent experience so we can understand what's happening in business schools right now and and how they're teaching this um you had mentioned a case study that you were familiar with and and we're going to use today tell us a little bit about that case study
2: uh yeah so i'm gonna shout out my old business professor from my undergraduate days dan doran um he um loves talking about the business model canvas and um, so I'll give him a shout out. Um, and, uh, one of the biggest things uh, that he, one of the big, um, case studies he would like to, uh, always sh- shed on us was, uh, Netflix and, um, Netflix is every, um, is a streaming service for those maybe unfamiliar in different parts of the world, um, where you watch your TV movies, stuff like that. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many different, um, aspects to Netflix rather than just turning on the TV. And it's a really, really great case study to, to utilize this great tool.
1: Okay, so let's let's bring it to life today with the, the Business Model Canvas and, and Netflix. So the Business Model Canvas, um, for those of you who are listening auditory um, on our podcast, uh, we don't have a visual for you. So what we're going to do is we're going to put up the nine components of the Business Model Canvas, uh, just the words on the screen. Um, but as we walk through these nine components, let's talk about, first of all, what are they? Um, and then let's use that Netflix example and sort of brings some color to that so people can understand it. Um, For those
0: of us that haven't done it, so I've never done a business model canvas. And again, I think that's kind of common of a lot of the techniques in in the body of knowledge. Not everybody does each one of these things, but I'm gonna have my handy dandy BABOK guide today um, as we are taking a look and talking about this. If you want a picture, by the way, of what that looks like, you can find one in the BABOK guide. It's here. Um, It is in section 10.8 of the guide or in Knowledge Hub. So there you go.
1: Yeah, that's great. And uh, we use acronyms sometimes um, unintentionally. uh, Don't want to mislead anyone. The BABOK guide is the business analysis body of knowledge. Um, So that's what BABOK stands for. Okay. So Let's jump into it. Um, We're not gonna go in the order that it's normally in the diagram. We organize this in a way that we thought would make most sense to introduce this. So the first piece is called customer relationships. So customer relationships, what would we be considering when trying to understand an organization for their customer relationships?
2: So first and foremost, I think it's more about uh, how you uh, acquire customers and um, retain those customers. Um, so what practices go into making a customer look at your business and say, Hey, well, why, why, why should I be interested in putting my money or time into you? And and after that, um, is it just a one stop and I say, I'll put my money in and into you one time. And then I'm going to walk away and go somewhere somewhere different afterwards. Where for Netflix, um, people, you know, tempted to just buy a subscription to watch that one movie or whatever, maybe a month free trial like they used to do and walk away and um, but um the reason you know people retain to netflix is because the the multiple offerings that are continually coming out um the offers that they put out for for value customers the way they they um communicate you know things like that that we'll talk talk about in other parts of the the canvas as well but um just really getting that um customer um involved and um and active and and happy to be be a part and feel like they're gaining something from, from that purchase.
0: Uh, so to summarize, so this this particular square of the canvas is all about acquiring customers and retaining customers. Um and is and is that what you're capturing there? The ways that you you do those those things in this section?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's kind of kind of what I wanted to touch on.
0: Yeah. So the methods. All right. So it's all about the methods of acquiring and, and retaining. Got it. Okay. Okay.
1: So let's move on to the next one, customer segments. Um, We were talking about this earlier, and segments can mean a couple different things. It could be the type of subscription they have, or it could be um, various, I guess, interests that people have. Um, So tell us more about that, Connor.
2: Yeah, so for any type of thing, um, you're going to have different segments, different demographics of customers, whether you're depending on what type of company you are, of course, we're talking about Netflix. So um, the ability to have a kid's profile on Netflix, so that um, younger, younger children are not exposed to adult content, maybe that parents don't want them to see or um, if you're part of that older demographic, um, the ability to watch um shows that maybe aren't available on tv anymore but um you can you can find on netflix and then also um some of the new um netflix um created content that they're putting out now with their own studio that um adheres to a different segment that's looking for something that you can't find anywhere else and i mean certain things go across different age groups different personalities um there's so many different uh segments that you can have in these things and and uh, a company like Netflix really um, does a great job at uh, adhering to, you know, pretty well all segments that are involved and, and interested in watching and consuming um, their their television content the way they do.
0: Yeah, so this this one seems like a pretty important one as well, right? As you're making decisions about your organization, knowing who all of those segments are is really important in things like decision making. Um where you're going to spend your money, where you're not going to spend your money. So yep, pretty important section here.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on to key partnerships.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah, so uh, just to continue along, um, partnerships are, I mean, I don't think there's any business that's successful without having at least a few um, strong partnerships um, in, in the world, whether it's um, who you're partnering with to manufacture, what product you have, or you know, you know certain people, certain, um, certain cus- um, companies realize their advertising isn't as good in-house as um, reaching out and help and having an external group um, uh, advertise for them so they can reach markets more effectively. Um, it all depends on what type of business that you have and where your strengths are to, to utilize those partnerships and see where um, those partnerships can be best suited. Um, for a company like Netflix, it's going to be um, your Hollywood studios, their producers, um, you know, all these the actors where the content comes from. Um, and it was particularly big for them before um, they started their in-house um, pr- productions and things like that when they were
1: okay.
2: solely provided um, solely um, it was a necessity for them to to get content externally. you know, that's where those partnerships were so big because, um, if you don't have those partnerships, and again, something that's going to come up later, um, why would somebody want to partner with Netflix if there was no um, strong value for them? Um, so um, it, it just, there's so many different aspects uh, and why partnerships are so important. And, um, and say Netflix has some really good ones, like I said, with their actors, their the studios, um, all, all these types of things.
1: Yeah, I like what you were talking about there, Connor. about it sort of extending the capability of an organization rather than you trying to become an expert in a certain area, you partner with an organization that really excels at that. So it, it extends the capability. I thought that was a really good description.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, certain companies aren't able to, you know, they're really good at one thing. They might be really good at producing phones or, you know, um, having a kayaking tour or something like that in the Whitewater Rapids. Um, but being able to get your name out there may not be a strong, strong suit, or they may simply not have, they may be a small business doesn't have capacity to do certain things like that. So right. being able to partner with people that that's what they specialize in, and can help you grow. It could be, um, and again, I, later on, and then we get the cost. Um, it, it could be a well worthy cost to, to help help your company.
0: I'm thinking about something we were talking about before today. Um, Netflix used to send out DVDs and and video games, too, I think. I think you used to be able to get both of those on there. So one of their key partnerships would have been the Postal Service Mm -hmm. or whomever delivers these things because they decided not to bring that in-house. And I compare that with... Somebody like an Amazon, which I think everybody has heard of Amazon, right? It's an online retailer, but they have now their, they used to use postal services and delivery services, but now they've brought a lot of that in-house. So, because they probably thought that it made more sense over time. So, yeah, so, you know, partnerships can, can change over time as your business changes. So it's important to know who they are as you're making those decisions.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about the external things. And, and as we're sort of talking through this, I'm thinking about a previous episode we've done, Susan, about SWOT analysis, mm-hmm. um, sort of looking at the strengths and weaknesses of an organization. Here, this, is, this canvas is, is like a landscape, right? We're, we're getting an idea of, of what it is. So we've talked about customers, we've talked about partnerships. The next part we want to talk about are key activities. So again, looking at the organization, what are the key activities um, in an organization?
2: Yeah. So key activities are just basically your everyday practices that um, make your make your organization tick. I mean, you, it's whether you know a lot of people might be going in and doing the accounting for the day, but for a company like uh, like Netflix, it's um, going in, getting those, and please step in if um if you if you feel feel the need to. But um, uh, again, it's just um, getting subscribers, um, producing movies, um, you know building you know creating those par- partnerships all that stuff that kind of goes into um anything that um the company does really to 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 produce that product um really really is um the key activities. It's pretty. It's pretty simple. <laughs> so simple.
0: when when we're when we're looking at what the BABOK Guide says about this, it breaks it down into three different categories of activity. So there's value add. So these are things that a customer is willing to pay for. So looking for you know more more movies, more shows, more things that they know that their customers are going to want to pay for. Two is the non-value add. And I think about things like, and that's stuff that, that customers aren't going to pay for. Yeah. I think about things like IT, let's face it. That can be a little bit of a black hole. HR, um, you know, things that you have to have in place in order to just make the company run, but aren't necessarily things that you're going to bill for. And then business non-value add. Um, which can be activities performed to meet regulatory or other needs or costs not associated or associated with doing business. So that might be, I don't know if they've got, okay, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm I'm thinking about the recent actor and writer screen guild um, strikes. Right. So probably some of the business non-value ad is if if Netflix is offering their original content, they probably have to have some voice in union labor unions. And they might have to pay dues or whatever. I'm not mm-hmm. too up on on labor unions, but those might be regulatory things that they have to do um, in right. order to, you know, stay in practice.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very helpful details. Okay. So those are the key activities. Then we move on again, analyzing the business into, um, key resources. Mm. Um, in a BABOK guide on this one outlines four areas. So uh, a good way to think about it. Physical there's financial, there's intellectual, and then there's human. Um, so when looking at these Connor from a Netflix perspective, um, what type of things come to light?
2: Well, there's a lot of things. Um, you think about the uh, the people that um, work for the company for you. You know, your your producers, your screenwriters. Um, again, Susan mentioned IT people, the people that are running um, the Netflix accounts, um, creating that user interface, all that stuff. The people that are developing the softwares. Um, you think about um, the people who are writing up the contracts. You think about. Um, uh, again, refresh me if I'm forgetting things, but, um, you're also looking at, um,
0: (laughs) really anybody that just runs things, right. Including, let's don't forget, you know, communications and HR and finance, right. Those are all the people that make your company run. Yeah.
2: And then you think about the financial stability, a company like Netflix has now as well to be able to, um, to rely on, on that, um, that financial ground that they have um, and be able to to make investments and um, in things that you know certain other companies may not have that uh, flexibility to do. Um, yeah. That- so when
0: I when I think financial, I think maybe lines of credit or capital or investors. So there might be resources that they tap into in all those financial areas as well. Um, intellectual. I feel like intellectual. There's a lot that Netflix brings. a lot of resources here what what kinds of things intellectual uh, resources would Netflix have well
2: you think about just their their uh, basic uh, understanding of the market and knowing knowing what content is going on going well for people the the markets marketing teams that they have I assume are quite massive and um, knowing knowing what actors what movies what shows are gonna uh, you know really um, touch a core with with their viewers and and lead to to um more subscription subscriptions purchased um is definitely something that a lot of a lot of um maybe people um aren't uh aren't doing so well with. You think about we'll talk about Netflix, we're talking Blockbuster. Um they I mean they laugh Netflix out of the room based on what they thought was um a, a really good opportunity no no people are never going to want to want to do this they laughed netflix out of the out of the building but that key resource that netflix had even then realizing that hey people don't want to leave their homes uh they want to stay mm-hmm. home to watch they we can mail it to them at the time now of course they're streaming online it's instant is something that, that a resource possibly blockbuster didn't do so well with or have that ultimately led to the non-existence of their company
0: (laughs) hey i'm a i'm a former blockbuster employee that shouldn't surprise anyone as a as a i was in film school working at blockbuster nobody should be surprised um in addition and i know we were talking about this before we got started today so things like patents and copyrights customer databases and branding right so think about that whole like what do they call it we're going to netflix and chill like it's, it's so it's a it's a verb now like it's a thing that you do. It's not just um, a, a location that you go to stream it's a thing that you do. So brand is a very important part of that intellectual uh, key resource as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right
1: and, and part of the physical too is uh, locations. I've seen this in some organizations I've worked for, particularly older organizations. you might not think that a, a physical location is a key resource but if the organization owns a building, and it's been there for 50 years, probably worth a lot of money. Um, Some retail organizations, for example, that have footprints in large cities, um, one of their key resources is real estate and they can sublease space. So um, that's another one. I I spent some time in corporate real estate, so just uh, share some of that. (laughs) Yep. Okay, let's jump into the next one. So this one is value proposition. Now we've, we've probably heard this term a lot in, in business analysis. Um, Connor, tell us about value proposition and how it works in the business model canvas.
2: Yeah, so it's basically what are the customers willing to give up in exchange for um, the service or product that the company is providing. Um, if there's no value added to, um, to what a company is providing, there's really no value proposition to be had and therefore you're not gonna be successful. For a company like Netflix, um, the whole value proposition is ease, um, time man, like no time wasted, you know, no need to have to go rent a movie or to the theater. It's a low cost subscription model. You stay home and you watch content, a wide variety of wide wide a large library there's the word i'm looking for um of movies tv shows what have you um from the from the comfort of your own home at a low cost so um and again i'm without a strong value proposition which company like netflix obviously has there's really no point in you're even running the business because you're not going to be successful
1: yeah i think back to my transition from going to the video store which i used to do with my kids to netflix now and a whole idea of late fees yeah it doesn't exist anymore
0: yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah i even remember like if and if you didn't rewind your vhs you're there's an, an extra charge you don't speaking have to as a
0: former blockbuster employee right that was a lot of time spent by humans rewinding those videos <laughs>
2: <laughs> no so i mean just the value added where those those things that become nuisances because i remember re- um renting movies from blockbuster or local convenience stores all the time and thinking "Oh, i don't want to have to go there to take this back it's just it's just a mess going was was a great thing but the whole returning was was a nuisance and i think netflix really capitalized on that by adding a really really strong value
1: proposition yeah yeah and i think another thing that's unique in that model changing from vhs dvd rentals to netflix is the fact that you you no longer show up at a store and get disappointed that what you went there for you don't get? Think about it. You click. You watch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There there is none of that disappointment now because it's it is always available for you. So mm-hmm. we've got other other nuisances like you know bandwidth issues and things like that. But yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, quite the value proposition. They yeah. they know their lane. That's for sure. For
1: sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the next one. Channels. What are channels about? So channels
2: are basically how um, a company interacts with their customers. It can be a wide variety of things, whether it's the mobile device, the TV that you're consuming the content on, uh, the service product, what have you, Um, Netflix, again, and um, think about the ways they interact with customers. Also, the email promotions, the social media campaigns, the advertising, all the marketing efforts, um, and um, how, how personal they try to make that, um, you know, different channels. Um, it's basically, basically it. And that's basically how Netflix does it. I mean, they have a strong media presence They're They do very, very well marketing. And you see movies that, um, net, even on Netflix, they're, they're promoting as a Netflix for, uh, Netflix, uh, production in their own streaming site. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely reaching, reaching, uh, their, their audience in, in a wide variety of ways.
0: And, and businesses are organics. So when you fill out this model and it looks one way now, you also have to think about how you're changing over time. I mean, again, we, we've been talking about Netflix sending out DVDs. Well, as you and I just talked about before we got started today, Netflix has just recently stopped sending DVDs. That is no longer a channel that they support. Mm-hmm. Um, they are fully invested now in, in streaming um, services. So, you know, they, they just probably saw that there wasn't enough business there, uh, to, to continue that on. So it's really important uh, being able to articulate all of the different ways that you are engaging and interacting with all of the different customer segments so that you can make those kinds of decisions.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. So let's move on from channels. We've got two left. Um, the second last one is cost structure. So this is looking at, uh, well, the last one is revenue. So we've got cost and revenue left. Um, so let's talk about cost structure.
2: So, yeah, so basically um, how you can reduce cost. This is the reason um, this is so important in the, in the canvas, because it's good to understand your costs and, you know, um, what's driving um, the production of what you're you're providing. But it's also too important to know where you can cut back on those costs um and i think it's it's kind of something that just popped in my head now uh, something that a lot of the streaming services are trying to do because um including netflix was the first one to do it the password sharing and you think about how they have oh, yeah. really gotten rid of that and forcing if like say if you're not part of this household you better buy your own subscription or we're going to charge whoever else an extra fee because it's just too costly to be giving away their content for free. Um, and, and, um, so I think it's really relevant and it really shows how this canvas can adapt, um, over time, the more you look at it and evaluate your business and, um, maybe Netflix, this is how they've discovered that. (laughs) So, um, you never know. I mean, it's a really, really useful thing, but, um, but yeah, so um, and then, you know, more baseline things, you know, the cost of hiring actors, signing those contracts with those um, with those producers, the, the big Hollywood studios, um, those types of things, um, you know, down to um, the food, the events and everything that they might do for their for their own employees and things like that, the cost of their buildings, all these things. And then you think about that, of course, we, us at IIBA, pretty uh, familiar with this, um, whether it's um, important, maybe it's not even reasonable to have um, certain infrastructures like buildings and offices and stuff like that. So um, mm-hmm. different ways that costs can be can be um, reduced um, is definitely the, the importance of this, uh, this part of the canvas.
1: Yeah, that's right. We all work remotely, um, IIBA. We are spread across multiple countries. Um, so yeah, that, that real estate component is not part of the cost structure of Mm -hmm. IIBA. Yeah. Good point. Yep. Okay. So partnering with cost structure is the other side of the equation to figure out profitability and that's revenue streams. Where does that revenue come from?
2: Yeah. And basically it, who's paying us the money, who's who's bringing the dough. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, um, for a company like Netflix, it's simply the subscription, the subscription model, um you can't buy a movie individually on netflix you i mean uh that is where their revenue comes from is the subscriptions
0: mm. and so when i take a look at um at Babuck at the babock guide so it talks about revenue streams including licensing or subscription so that's what netflix has transaction or usage fees you bring up a good point about you can't just buy a movie. I think back in the day, you actually could buy a movie or a game, but I don't think you can do that anymore. Um, sales, other kinds of sales, and then lending, renting, or leasing. Those are just some examples, but you you make a good point about, um, you know, there could be other kinds of um, of revenue opportunities in some of the original content that right. they create. So,
1: Yeah, I'll put on my entrepreneurial hat and go on, on a limb. Um, there might be merch that um you know True. might be interested True. in, in yeah. netflix. Right. um another one might be looking at um product placement so when they're doing productions maybe mercedes wants to have their vehicle in the movie is that a revenue stream yeah. for their productions yeah. well, it could be a way to offset costs
2: good points good points And so i think is something i'm going to go over to the competitor of netflix one of them uh disney recently um just put out um one of their um popular Marvel series for sale on DVD and Blu-ray. So there's options oh, still opportunities for those companies to do that and give that content in a different way for another revenue stream as well. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So right. that gets us to the end of the nine, uh, squares that are on a business model canvas, typically on one page or one screen. Um, and basically by going through and understanding all of these components, you have a better understanding of an organization. Um, It can give you uh, visibility into where there might be potential problems, opportunities, challenges, but think about, for example, partnerships. Hey, how can we extend our partnerships? How can we leverage that more? It can allow for more detailed conversations in each of these areas. So as Susan had mentioned, I think before, this might be something you've never done before, but we wanted to raise awareness about this tool. You know, Connor uh, is our, our star example here of learning this in business school. So it is a tool that's being used in the business world. Um, even if you're not producing it, maybe you can even just ask for it. Do we have a business model canvas for this organization? Um, can allow you to understand things and, and really take a step back from operationally where you might be working and look at that bigger picture to help with some conversations, some facilitation, some decision making um, in the organization you're working with.
0: Yeah, when I when I think about the opportunities to use this, I do think that this like SWOT analysis, I think of both of those as a way to get business people thinking about their business at a bigger picture level. So if you find that you're working with the business and they are getting stuck and wanting to go down a solution mode or an operational mode, but you're feeling like they haven't clearly articulated some of the inputs that we've got here. This could be the tool that you use to get them focused. So it's not necessarily a deliverable unto itself. Okay, as part of my whatever, I'm going to produce a business model canvas. I, I think this is a tool to collect, get people thinking and collect that information in a place where people can see it. I think that's the benefit of this. Yeah,
1: yeah for sure. So Connor, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your experience and and shouting out your professor. I think that's fantastic. And Susan, why don't you tell us what's happening next time on Business Analysis Live?
0: Well, We are going to be talking about influence. It's one of those things that we often talk about as a way to to help our organizations. But what does that really mean? Well, next time we're going to have two guests on to talk about how they were mastering influence in their organizations. So we'll see you in two weeks from today. Take care. This is the end of our live session, but if you've got questions, you can send us an email at live at iiba.org or leave us a voice message and we'll answer your question at one of our upcoming broadcasts.